the soon coming of the Lord. The Lord is coming soon, and uh, it's very interesting. I, I, I read an article today um, in the paper by a... Uh, in, I read an article from a paper in Israel saying that the Messiah is coming soon. So, interesting. Israel is saying that. We know it's we know that things must be getting uh, toward the end. So, um, Racing Toward Armageddon is the title of our um, lessons in eschatology. Uh, tonight will be the last lesson in that. I'll have one more uh, Wednesday night. Um, uh, next Wednesday night, uh, we're, we're going to look at uh, uh, the persecution of the church, and we're going to see countries which are the worst uh, persecuted countries, and then we're going to um, uh, learn how to pray for them and what countries we should be praying for as we pray for our persecuted brethren around the world. But there is notes in the back or over here if you need them, and uh, we're going to be going through this tonight, uh, a review of eschatology, and there's a timeline overhead. It's the same timeline that's on your paper, and, and this is kind of from a dispensational perspective this is uh, where we are uh, and what is coming. So if you look all the way on the left of that timeline, you will see the cross and you will see a little uh, block that says church age. Okay, see that block? We are somewhere uh, to the far right of that little block church age just before the rapture. Uh, the the next thing to happen on God's prophetic time clock is the rapture of the church. Okay, and uh, that that uh, that event is imminent. Means it can come at any moment. Okay, and uh, uh, there there are. Uh, no signs, if you will, uh, for his coming. We, yes, we have signs to tell us the season, but we don't know the exact day. And so we're, to, we're li to live to be ready. So open your Bibles tonight to Galatians 4. We got a lot of scripture to look at tonight. So limber up your fingers. A lot of scripture to look at. And did you ever ask yourself this question, or am I the only one who asks these kind of questions? Why did Christ come 2,000 years ago? Why didn't he come today? With the aid of the internet, you know, and, and Twitter and TikTok and Facebook and, you know, why didn't he come today? Why did he come 2,000 years ago? Well, the Bible has the answer for that in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, but when the fullness of the time was come. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that he might that we might receive the adoptions of son. Now, I just want to look at that first phrase in the in the verse. When the fullness of the time was come. The Lord Jesus came at just the right time when it was prophesied. But you know, even if you look at world history and you think about after Christ came, and he came for those. Uh, 30-some years, and, and had a, a, a messianic ministry for about three and a half years. During that three and a half years, he, of course, traveled around Israel and uh, 
um, gathered himself a band of disciples, and of course we know 12 apostles. And in the upper room, after Jesus ascended into heaven, before the Holy Spirit came, in the upper room, how many disciples were there? No, 120, okay? So these 120 people who would then receive the Holy Spirit would go out and change the world. Now just think about a little bit of world history here for a moment. When the fullness of time was come. Uh, prior to the Romans being the world power, the Greeks were the world power. And there was a man by the name of Alexander the Great that conquered the then-known world. And you know what he did when he conquered a nation? Made them speak his language. So in Jesus' day, in the Apostle Paul's day, when the first missionaries went out, no language school, they all knew Greek. You know, a lot of times missionaries, almost their first whole furlough, uh, not furlough, their first uh, uh, time on the field is spent just learning a language if they don't already know it. You know, when Rome came, and um, you ever hear the phrase, all roads lead to Rome? They set up a, a travel system. Uh, they built roads. Uh, I know Pastor Andrew has been in Israel. Any of you else have been in Israel? We walked on and rode over bridges that were built by the Romans that are still in use today. They could come here to New Hampshire and teach us how to uh, build some roads. And uh, um, there are some potholes on the way here from Franklin that will swallow your car if you're not careful. And, uh, but, you know, and it made travel safer. I'm not going to say it made it safe, but it made it safer. And, and it made it easier. Now, now listen, we're going back 2,000 years, you know, easier compared to the time that, that time. You know, and, and there were trade routes and all kinds of things. But look at Romans 8.34. Turn back a couple books. Romans chapter 8, verse 34, the Bible says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So where is the Lord Jesus today? During this church age, right now, where is the Lord Jesus? At the right hand of the Father, where he ever lives to make intercession for us. And in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 to 11, as Jesus ascends back into heaven, the angel and the, and the apostles are all there looking at him. See him? There he goes. Wait, I can't. You know, and those with the better eyesight saw him for the longest. The angels came and said, Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who you saw ascend into heaven will so come in like manner. So right now... The, 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 the Lord Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God the Father where he ever makes intercession for us. And one day he's going to come for us. One day the Father is going to say, Son, go get your bride. And he's going to come for us. Okay? But right now, you and I are in what is called the church age, that first little block there. 
We're in the church age. And in Matthew 16, 18, the Lord Jesus said, I will build my church. So right now, during this time in which we live, the Lord Jesus is building his church. And how does he build his church? As people get saved, they are added to the church. So, so uh, quantitatively, one becomes a member of the church when one gets saved. Qualitatively, the church is built up as we disciple one another. Okay, um, uh, uh, Great Commission living, spreading the gospel and discipling believers. That's what we are to be doing in this church age. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what do we see here? That day of Pentecost, this is... Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. And in Acts chapter 2, we see the very beginning of that building. And if you go to the end of the chapter, verse 41 and 42, what is the church? They, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. So they receive, they're baptized, the same day there were added to them about 3,000 souls. You're added to the church. And what do you do after that? They continued steadfastly. And here's the fingerprints of the local church in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking bread, and in prayers. So what should the church be doing today? Preaching the gospel, uh, evangelizing the world, discipling the believers. And how do you do that? Through the through the Apostles' Doctrine, the teaching of the New Testament, fellowship, breaking bread, celebrating the Lord's table, and praying together. So this is the church age. This is what we are to be doing. And it's wonderful in Ephesians 2, we won't read that whole passage there, but in Ephesians 2, what is un, what was unknown to the Jewish believers of the Old Testament is today, as one becomes a member of the church, as one gets saved, as one trusts Christ as their Savior, as one is baptized by the Holy Spirit into the church, Jesus takes down the middle wall of partition. And there is no longer Jew or Gentile. What two people could be farther apart than the Jew and the Gentile? But they're one in Christ. There's no longer bond or free. There's, there's no longer slave owner or slave. There's no longer male or female. There's no longer young or old, black or white, rich or poor, whatever. We are all, what does the Bible say? One in Christ. So, so what is happening today is God is taking out from the world a bride for himself. 
that has no, um, there, there's differences in what we look like and where we came from, but we're all one in Christ. And, and so this is the church age in which we live. So what should we be doing today? Taking the gospel to the Jew, to the Greek, to everybody. And, and we should be discipling believers and we should be attending church and we should be planting churches and we should be growing in our faith because it's the church age. Jesus said, I will build my church and we are co-laborers together with Christ in that. And this is what we're doing today. And this is what we should be doing until he comes for us. Because the next thing that will happen is the rapture of the church. Now notice it says there in the uh, on the timeline, it says Christ descends. To the left of that it says rapture. To the right of that it says revelation. Okay? Let me just state this, that when Christ descends from heaven for his church, we will meet the Lord in the air. He does not come back to earth then. We meet him in the air. Okay, John 14. Um, uh, before Jesus started his messianic work, what was he? What was that? A carpenter. He's a carpenter. Carpenter build things. Notice what it says in John 14. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is building our mansion. And uh, he, he and, and when it's prepared, what did he said? If I go to prepare a place for you, I will what? Come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So the Lord promised the last night he was with his disciples that, look, I'm leaving. I'm sending the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to come back. And I'm going to come back for you. And that's his promise. First, First Corinthians 15. Uh, we, we love these passages that speak about the rapture. We, we speak of them at um, believers' funerals, especially graveside services. Because uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised corruptible, and we shall be changed. So there's coming a day, very soon, when we're going to hear a trumpet, and we're going to hear the shout of the archangel. And the dead in Christ, those who have been buried already, who were believers, will rise first and, and we will meet them in the air. And so shall we ever be. This is the believer's blessed hope to go to heaven directly without dying. Now, as believers, you and I should not fear death. Okay? There's a difference between death and dying. Death is what happens to you after you die. If we have our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if your faith is in Christ, remember this, it's what He has done. It's not what you have done. 
Your salvation is based on what He has done. And He promised us eternal life if we trust Him. So when I die, and I breathe my last here, my next breath, if you will, will be in heaven. Now the dying process is not always pleasant. We may fear dying, but we don't have to fear death. because. But you know, one day the Lord is going to come. Come and, and our blessed hope is maybe we're that generation that is alive that doesn't have to die. Just zap! Goes to heaven. Shed these uh, mortal bodies and have a glorified body and we're with the Lord forever in the air. Look at First Thessalonians. A little more detail. Galatians, Philippians... Ephesians and Colossians, then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible says, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we, what's that last phrase? Ever be with the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that a blessing? Wherefore? Comfort one another with these words. It's a great comfort. It's a great comfort to be able to share these words with a surviving spouse or a surviving parent of a child that has died or a husband or a wife that has died that had faith in Christ. Comfort yourself with these words. You're going to see them again, and they're all right. After we are raptured into heaven... While the tribulation is going on here, sometime during that time is what is called the Bema Seat Judgment. Okay? All of us have to stand before God in judgment. You and I, as believers, will not stand in judgment for the punishment of our sin. God already took, Christ already took that punishment. He appeased the wrath of God. But we nonetheless have to answer. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. The Bible says, For if any man build upon the foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Even it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So there's a day coming when I will have to stand before the Lord to answer for my Christian life. And what did I do for Christ? Was it... Was it Wood, hay, stubble, works done in the flesh. And what happens when you put the match to wood, hay, and stubble? They burn. Or is it gold, silver, and precious stones? 
And, and will there be anything left of our works? This judgment is not for whether you enter into heaven or not. You're already there. But it's for your rewards in heaven. Okay? In, the, in a moment, we'll talk about a different judgment that the unbeliever. But if you are at the Bema seat of Christ, it is not a judgment to determine where you spend your eternity. It is a judgment to determine our rewards as believers. Okay? So the next thing to happen on God's timetable, God's prophetic time clock, is the rapture. And we believe as dispensationalists in a pre-tribulational rapture. What does that mean? The Lord Jesus will come for us pre-before the tribulation. Because after the rapture, sometime after the rapture, um, the seven-year tribulation period will start. Daniel 9.27 calls this the 70th week of Daniel. We don't have time at all tonight to develop that. I'm sorry. Um, commercial. Come to Winners Palm Bible Church on Sunday nights and we will explain it in great detail. But look at Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Now all of Revelation... Chapter 4 through 18, we're not going to read that tonight, <laughs> but uh, all of Revelation, chapter 4 through 18, explain what goes on during the tribulation period. But in Matthew 24, as the Lord is there with his disciples at Mount of Olives, the Olivet Discourse, uh, after the rapture, this is what goes on. Verse 3 and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. They shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many uh, be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, shall the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. When ye, see, when ye shall see, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. That's from Daniel 9.27. Uh, then let them which be in Judah flee to the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of the house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For there shall be great tribulation. So that time from uh, verse 15, when the desolation of abomination of desolation stands in the temple 
when the Antichrist goes to the Holy of Holies and makes himself out to be God, Jesus warns the people, run. Because the second half of the tribulation is going to be worse than the first half. So much Jeremiah calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. And if you're on the housetop, don't even go back into the house with anything. Hope you don't have little children to care for. Just run. Verse 21, there shall be great tribulation, such as not was since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, there believe it not, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets shall show great things and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I told you before, wherefore if ye shall say, wherefore if they say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. So Jesus is just described to his disciples the seven-year tribulation period. And it will be a time of great tribulation on the world, right? Verse 21, great tribulation. This is the tribulation period. You and I will not be here. What has happened prior to this? Pre-tribulational rapture. What has happened prior to this? The Lord has taken us to heaven, okay? Look like he's taken a couple of you already, and your bodies are just here, empty shells, okay? So he's, he's taken us to heaven. Many, many sleep. <laughs> the dead in Christ shall rise first. <laughs> but so, so, so they're taken, but on earth is going on this great tribulation. And there's going to be people that are saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah. Jesus said, don't believe them. Why? Because the second coming to earth. Look at the next verse. And this is why we're pre-millennial. Okay, Jesus will come to the earth pre, before the millennial kingdom. He will set up his kingdom. What does verse 29 say? First word. What does immediately mean? Right away. Immediately after what? The tribulation. Okay? So immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. So what is going to happen? The Lord Jesus is going to come. This is now his second coming. See where on that, on that timeline it says Christ descends. And to the right, it says Revelation. Notice that arrow comes down. Okay? The arrow goes up. We meet the Lord in the air. But Christ descends. He comes to the earth. Okay? 
He comes to the earth just as in Acts 1, the angel said, just as you've seen him go, he will come. And he will come in this, to the same place. Uh, we, we won't turn there, but Revelation 19, we've read it a couple times already. The, this is the battle of Armageddon, racing toward Armageddon. Jesus comes, and he comes to set up his kingdom after the tribulation period. Okay? So what is, what is next on the time clock? We're in the church age. The next thing to come is the rapture, where we will meet the Lord in the air. We don't know when that is. It's soon. But why, after we are raptured and we are in heaven with the Lord and we are, we are being judged at the Bema seat, there's the seven-year tribulation going on in the earth. Uh, Revelation 4 to 18 talk about it. The 144 uh, sealed Jewish evangelists, 12,000 from every tribe, go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom to the world. People are getting saved. The two witnesses... Um, that are able to call down fire from heaven. They're preaching the gospel. The Antichrist is revealed. The false prophet is revealed. The seal, the trumpet, and the vile judgments. All this is going on. And at the end of it, when all the world comes against Israel, when all the world comes not only to fight Israel, but to once and for all, in their minds, destroy God, they come the Lord Jesus comes in all his glory and he comes to the earth to set up his kingdom. Zechariah 12 tells us of this and Zechariah 14 tells us of this. He'll come right to the Mount of Olives and, and the, 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 there'll be a great earthquake and the city gates will, will fall open and the Lord Jesus will walk right into Jerusalem as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then he sets up his kingdom. Look at Matthew 25, verse 31. You shall see, and, and he shall send his angels with a great, I'm sorry, verse, that should be verse 20, chapter 24. Let me see something here. No, it's chapter 25. Go to chapter 25, not 24. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all His holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory and before Him shall be gathered all nations and He shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in. Naked you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, proving that people are getting saved in the tribulation period. Lord, when saw we thee unhungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. 
For I was a hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you took me not in. Naked, you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they answer and say unto him, Lord, when saw we thee a hunger, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous unto into eternal life. Now this is talking about the judgment that will happen just prior to the kingdom. When, when, when the people of the earth who have survived, remember the church is gone, the people of the earth have survived the tribulation period, and at the end of that tribulation period there will be righteous people, there will be wicked people, cursed people, and God will separate them. The cursed will go into everlasting fire, and the righteous will go into the kingdom. And the earth will be populated at this time with saved people. And the fulfillment of Romans chapter 11, all of Israel will be saved. Here's the fulfillment of that. And all of Israel will be saved. Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1 through 9 talks about the conditions of the millennial kingdom when the lion will lay down with the lamb and, and all of the Carnivorous animals will eat straw. They will all become uh, her herbivores, right? And uh, um, uh, your child can go outside and play in the cobra's den. It's okay. They're not going to bite anymore. The curse will be lifted from the earth. And Jesus will rule and reign in righteousness. And we, Revelation 20 we will be ruling and reigning with him. Revelation 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season, and I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgments were given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon his forehead or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Of such the second death has no power. They shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So the believers of the tribulation period, the believers of the Old Testament period, the, the bride of Christ, us during the church age, what does it say in verse 6? We're going to rule and reign with Christ. How long? A thousand years. The millennium. There will be peace on earth. There will be righteousness on earth. There will be no semblance of anything earthly, uh, but it will be peace on earth. And um, uh, then the end of the kingdom will come. And now look, look, uh, the battle of Armageddon comes, right? Jesus comes, and, and during that time, in, during the millennial kingdom, that thousand years, Satan is bound. He is in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. He is loosed for a season.
Okay? And notice with me verses uh, 7 through 10 of Revelation 20. When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. Okay, that's up north. We learned about that already. The land of Russia. Uh, to them, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the, the camp of the saints about in the beloved city. So they come to Jerusalem. And the fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night for ever and ever. So a lot of times people, maybe you've shared the gospel with people and you talk about Adam and Eve and you, you say to them, you know, they say to you, you know, if, if I were Adam and Eve, I wouldn't have sinned against God. I wouldn't have taken that forbidden fruit. I would have obeyed God. Well, here we have very similar conditions. Paradise on earth. God himself on earth. Adam and God walked together in the garden in the cool of the day, right? Here will be Jesus on earth will be perfect, and yet there'll be a great what? Rebellion. Because all the people who enter the kingdom are saved, and those people will begin to populate the earth again. Uh, you, we don't get this from Revelation, but you get a lot of this from Isaiah. And they'll populate the earth again. And those people need to be saved. And most of them will be saved, but as we see here, some won't. And once again, to show the sinfulness and wickedness of man's heart, they'll come and rebel against Christ, and fire will come down from heaven, and the devil will be cast into the lake of fire, and he'll, he will be there forever and ever. And then what you, you see the judgment of the wicked. This is called the great white throne judgment. Now the Bema seat is for the believers. The Bema Seat Judgment does not determine your destination. Okay? You are already in heaven. It determines your reward. The Great White Throne Judgment that we're looking at now does not determine your destination. You're already in hell. You're going to the lake of fire. But it will determine the amount of your punishment. Okay? So if you are at the Great White Throne Judgment... You're, you have no chance of going to heaven. If you are at the Bema Seat of Christ, you have no chance of going to hell. Understand that. Two different group of people being judged. Saved, unsaved. Okay? So look at chapter 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon it, whose face the earth and heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. So there's no place to hide. And I saw the dead, small and great, okay? Regular people and, and great people. Stand before God. The books are open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things were written in the books according to their works. So God keeps books. 
And the one book that will be open is the book of life. And, and you walk up to God, you stand before God as an unsaved believer and your name is stated and he looks in the book of life and he says, your name is not here. And he opens another book and he finds your name and you're judged out of those books. People say they want to be judged by their works, right? Don't people say that? Don't people tell you, God, uh, you know, I hope my good works outweigh my bad? They're not going to. Take them to this passage. It's not going to happen. Well, it's going to happen, but it's not going to. Ha the ending is not going to be like you think it's going to be. I hope my good outweighs my bad. It won't. Verse 31, uh, 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell. Hell is a where 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 believer unbelievers go today, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is not original with me. If you're born only once, you die twice. The second death. But if you're born twice, you only die once. And maybe you might even be blessed not die. You might be raptured. And for believers, we have the new heaven. Look at verse uh, chapter 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So, think about this. The unbeliever today, if the unbeliever dies today, their body goes into the ground, their soul and spirit go to a place called hell. And after the great white throne judgment, they stand before God. They have some sort of a resurrected body. And hell is, and the people in it are cast into the lake of fire. For the believer, when we stand before God at the Bema seat, we stand before him in our new bodies. We go to heaven. But there's coming a day when there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Okay? And a new Jerusalem. This is chapter 21 and chapter 22 of the book of Revelation. And this is called the eternal state. So for all of eternity, we will be dwelling in the new heaven, on the new earth, in the new Jerusalem. For all eternity. What will we be doing? I don't know. We have all of eternity to find out what we'll be doing. I know one thing we're going to be doing praising God, learning more about Him. Every, now this is not true because there are no days in eternity, but every day learning something new about God. We'll be living outside of time, so we won't be saying, phew, I've been here a long time. Boy, isn't time going slow? Well, time's going so fast. We won't be saying things like that because we will be dwelling outside of time in eternity. So, this is a very fast review of, we looked at a thousand and seven years plus all of eternity, and I don't even know what time it is, so, you know, but any questions, thoughts, comments?